to the show everyone and today i'm super excited to be talking to bella from rockabella racing bella how are you going thanks for helping me out we're z9 you're still a genesis episode uh in the stable hands podcast hey yeah thanks for having me happy to be here yeah look it was just um th- as i said thanks for helping out i kind of reached out on twitter a couple of weeks ago i think and um got a lot of people interested um, to come and say there's there's some interesting people coming up in the weeks and um, you were one of the first who reached out in that so I was, uh, I was super happy to um, to get that uh, that input back into the for people to come on the show absolutely so I'm really interested in hearing everyone's story about Zed um, so let's start there um, this is what I do every show tell me how long ago did you start playing Zed and how did you get into the Zed Run ecosystem well, I actually, um, it's kind of funny and kind of embarrassing, but I found Zed on TikTok and I am one of the odd ones, I guess, that it came out like, uh, I was just scrolling and it was, uh, the summer of 2021 and I'm just scrolling on TikTok and I saw, uh, like a 30 second video that was like explaining Zed in 30 seconds, essentially. And um, I immediately just jumped over and, you know, went on the site and started looking around and I realized really quickly it was probably very over my head because I had no experience in crypto or any sort of like, um, you know, even with horse racing, like, you know, I had a horse when I was a kid, but not necessarily like in racing or anything, um, but it just looked really cool. And I um, I'm a dog breeder. So the breeding, the whole breeding aspect of it was kind of drew me in and I thought, well, this is really cool. Um, but I had to basically learn how to, uh, well, I didn't even know what MetaMask was or anything. And, um, yeah, basically I just started learning. I jumped on the discord and started kind of lurking around in there. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, quite a while ago now. And, um, I think probably around the same time as you in the, that, you know, sort of that, summer of 2021 I think it was August 2021 that I bought my first horse but I had been researching probably at least a month maybe a little bit more before I actually bought a horse so yeah I'm a TikTok oh very nice uh, convert you convert <laughs> yeah and, and there's some interesting things there like um that ad that was on TikTok it uh, on TikTok um you know there's a lot of talk about marketing pushes at the moment in in the ecosystem was that uh, another player posting that video or was that a Z video no I'm pretty sure it was a player I don't actually even recall who it was or anything but it, it seemed like a player there was a guy wearing glasses and I don't know if it who it was but because uh, I was just like oh this is really cool I want to go check this out so I went and looked at it and then I just immediately was just like okay I need I need it and like what do I do and then it just sort of was like okay, well, I got to slow down. I got to see what I need to do here because this is definitely a lot of information to take in for somebody who has no like idea about any of this, because I know a lot of people came from Top Shot. I didn't know what, I didn't even know what that was or even really what NFTs were or anything like that. So um, I just had to start 
Googling and researching and hopping on all kinds of threads and things like that just to kind of find more about it. But yeah, the whole like, and that's why I do post some stuff on TikTok or just funny videos or whatever, just to get sort of like, because that's where I saw it, you know, and if I can, you know, you know, bring that to awareness to other people, that, that'd be cool. But, um, but yeah, there's not a lot of, yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of it on there yet, but, um, but yeah, and that's the one and only video I've ever seen since then on TikTok was that, that one time. And I've never seen it. I've never seen it since. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. hopefully we'll see plenty more in the future. And your first horse, do you remember that that horse? And is it still in your stable? Oh, you bet she is. Yeah, she's um, a, I bought a leg butte and she, her name is Pit Boss. And she was a decent little, she wasn't, didn't have too many races, but she had enough that, you know, a few wins. I think her odds were like 14 or something like that. So it wasn't anything too ridiculous, but you know, she was winning once every 10, 12, 14 races or so. And that was enough for me at the time. And I still have her. I still have every horse that I've ever bought or bred. Every last one. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I can't get rid of them. Um, I love them. It's very interesting, right? (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah. You do develop an emotional attachment to them. I've been hovering over the, um, the sell to a bot button many times. Um, in the past six months in particular, where I'm like, I've got to get rid of all these horses, but I just yeah. can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> no, I feel the same too. Sometimes like I'll, I'll be like, I'll convince myself, okay, I'm going to list one. I'm going to list one. It's just a donkey. I don't need it. Like, uh, and then I'm just like, but what if, what if? And I, I still have that feeling. It's like a gut wrenching feeling of what happens if I sell this horse and then, you know, the meta changes again. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, gonna it's a very profitable horse or you know st- i'm still holding on hope for surface preference so <laughs> i fully it was very interesting I, yeah. in uh the the episode i did with dan shan where he spoke about that um as opposed to sort of just clearing out stables to you know for cents on the dollar as i like to say um you you never know what's going to change what's going to come um yeah. you know now with sit and go tourneys going to be the only sort of tournament activity and then maidens are our horses going to need to be rediscovered again against different fields uh personally i hope so because that's my favorite part of the game when it changes and you get to discover all your horses over again it's kind of exciting um so pit boss in the the 2.0 meta did you sort of rediscover her and and did she show you any surprises oh yeah she's doing great in double ups i mean like she's a c6 so she's obviously like you know once the once down classing became the meta which was pretty soon after i started um i quickly realized you know okay i am kind of screwed here because i have i have a couple of horses that you know i spent a lot of money on just because you know the price of eth at the time and uh the the cost of getting in like i mean i think she was at least two three hundred bucks by the time you know conversion canadian conversion to us and all that stuff and, uh, and so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Because, you know, if I, I can't sell her for $250 that I paid for, I can't even probably sell her for $2. Um, so I started breeding and that was where, um, you know, you make mistakes, you learn a lot of things in the, in the process. But I feel like I, I like the fact that I've held my horses because I've really learned them. Like I've really learned 
how they run and where they run. And it's, it's easier for me just to like, look at them and go, okay, I know where this one goes or, you know, looking at their data and that sort of thing and, and going through them all and just, yeah, really finding the hidden gems. And, um, you know, like I haven't, like, I, I really believe that like every horse can be profitable. It's just, it is a process of discovery and like it, it is time consuming. Not everybody wants to discover a season six horse because there's not you know the greatest prize pools and things like that down there so I can see why you know people don't like that but I love it it's personally my favorite part right now is is that discovery and finding horses all of a sudden like whoa like I thought this horse sucked and actually no it's it's making me money yeah nice and so talk us through that discovery process like how how do you take a horse like if you're searching for a new horse um, to put in your stable or you've just bred a new horse how do you how do you go about the discovery process um I, I, I guess it kind of varies depending on if I am if I've bred it and I kind of just go by you know what I was shooting for with the breed where you know where I would start running them just by sort of looking at where the parents are doing good and that sort of thing but if I'm you know shopping for a horse I'm it's just really having specific um, Haku filters, I, I find helps um, sort of uh, narrow it down and getting really specific with what you're looking for. But it, it really kind of depends on where you want to race. I mean, like, or what your goal is for your stable. Um, so for me, I mean, like, I'm just looking at anything I like in the, the lower classes, just because I, I think it's fun. Like I like the cheap buy-ins. Um, I just don't like want to dump a bunch of money into like, you know, a C1 horse that, I mean, I mean, who can compete in C1 right now, unless you already in there and up at the top, like, I mean, there's, everybody's kind of stuck. So I'm looking at like, you know, I like C3, C4 mostly, and then in C6 as well. I love that. I love it down there. But, um, if I was looking for say, even like, you know, a mid level horse, but I'm looking to see if it's profitable and anything you know and what their the racing profits are for 2.0 so far um and then i'll just check you know the different formats like just really narrowing down the formats i'll i'll just you know uh go into z lead and and sort of use a drill down and really get into like the the data and looking at um how it's running in what distances and uh what formats specifically like okay is this good and you know if it's not good and um, top two, I'm going to check in double ups. And then, you know, you can kind of see, and a lot of it too, is just like, mo- like most of them just don't have enough data. So it's really, um, it can be, you know, kind of a slow process if you're just like, okay, here we go. Like, uh, this one doesn't not, you know, you think you've got a good one. You're like, okay, this is exciting. This looks good. Win rate's good, all this stuff. And then you sort of like start really getting into the data and you go, oh, wait, no, no, this is not good. Um, pass. So I find it's just, I can easily spend hours just like combing through horses to try and get um, one that, you know, might actually have some potential. Um, but yeah, and I think a lot of people, I think that's a really fun part of it too, is actually finding a horse that you're like, ooh, this one looks good. And then uh, it starts doing well for you. Or you're like, oh, this one's been run wrong. Um, and, you know, then throwing it in some races and realizing, oh, here we go. Like, this is, this is good. I'm profitable here. Or, you know, just seeing where people aren't running it correctly and then scooping it up for a cheap price. Like you can't beat that. That's a very interesting statement. Like how, how do you identify where a horse has been run wrong and incorrectly? Do you look at, I guess, the distances its parents have been running in 
versus where they've run it? Yeah, and I look at like speeds and stuff like that as well. Um, I'm a huge fan of Z Lead. I don't think I could play Z without it. <laughs> so props to Jam Chan. Um, but uh, it's definitely my favorite tool by far for you know the data, like just absorbing the data and combing through it. And um, but yeah, like typically you can tell if it's being uh, run incorrectly. I just look. I'll look at a lot of the speed. Um, for for that and you can tell if it's or just being wrong and or ran in the wrong funnel um sometimes you know the speeds are showing like oh hey like it's definitely this should be in mids and they're just you know hammering it in marathons or something like that and um realize that like maybe this they just haven't checked this data or they don't know that the speeds are Mm. way better in mids or something like that but again it's really specific so, so each horse is just so unique and so different and and you know that's what i love about them is they've all got their uh, quirks they've all got the good a good place to run I know they do it's just sort of you know the the process of finding it is what I think a lot of people don't like or you know find to be tedious which is um I can totally understand that it's just everybody's got a different style of playing and um I just really happen to enjoy this new update and the and that is the style of it is sort of you know really like digging into the to how the horse runs in order to find out where it is profitable. I think most of them can be profitable. You just have to find out where it is. It's a guessing game. <laughs> so it's a guessing game sometimes, unless An you educated. have enough data. Yeah, yeah. An exactly. educated guessing game, hopefully. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. And so when you talk about that process um, and your stable, so you, you mentioned you've kept every horse you've bred. Um, how many horses are in the stable today? And then how many do you actually sort of spend time running? Um, I think I have 39. So I'm a little stable compared to some of the big ones. Um, So 39 horses now. And I probably run, I would say, uh, like in paids, uh, at least five or 10. Um, But yeah, it really just depends on what format is, you know, the flavor of the day, really, like, some of them don't do so well in certain formats, and some of them do amazing. And, and, you know, and then they keep kind of changing them. So, you know, sometimes I will run a horse I haven't ran in a month, and then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, hitting like the 10th place on the tournament leaderboard. And I'm like, what, how did this happen? But um, it just, the horse really likes that that format. So I, again, that's why I like keeping them because you can sort of, you have like a roster really, but I definitely have, I would say a good five that are like decent enough to compete in paids that I could throw in at, you know, any distance within the funnel uh, and have a good shot at winning. But I also uh, use ZSM to, you know, help, you know, simulate races and things to make sure I'm, you know, I've got it. I'm, I'm super like, uh, because of the whole downclassing thing, like I had to get, I had to learn how to really, uh, evaluate fields and, and sort of like be really, really careful of like, where, what am I getting into here? Like I can't, especially in paids, I can't just throw my horse in anything because that's, you know, of what's going on. But, and I still, I think I still carry that sort of like, you know, feeling of, okay, I really want to see if this is a softer field, if this is going to be a tough one. Uh, but some, I like the horses that I have that I don't really care. Like I can just throw them in anything and, you know, like they're either going to do well or not. And uh, with the variants and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, like I would say probably five or 10. 
those variants horses are <laughs> so all, much fun. They all rotate. Yeah, yeah they are my uh, yeah. Or come dead last. <laughs> yes, my uh, my I think it was my third the third second or third horse I ever bred ended up being a variance monster. And um, again, like it was, I was still so new at the time that I didn't really like, I think actually at that time, the variance monsters had just been basically nerfed. Like they had pulled back on the, the algorithm mm-hmm. a bit for the variance. So, I mean, she had all of a sudden she, I don't even, I think she had like a 15% paid win rate at one point. She was winning like the 10, $25 races um, and really competing well. And I was really excited. I'd hit the, I'd hit the lottery, right. With this horse. But then all of a sudden, again, like the meta changed and now my horse was sort of just like mostly coming at last all the time. We we're just getting bad roll after bad roll. And then obviously she was, she's a C4 horse now. So she was competing against, you know, horses that now we're in C2, C1. So it just sort of like put a damper on it for me at the time. And I was like, Oh no. But again, I know she's, she's so fast. Like when she does hit that variance, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. I'm, I am obsessed with her. What what funnel are you, you talking about here, Bella? What, and what's the horse you're talking about? Uh, her name's uh, yeah. Zella Rock. Yeah. She's, uh, she's gotten one, I think in the last three months, or it was in the last three months, last time I checked, she had hit the 19th fastest speed in 1600 meters. So, I mean, that was, that was oh, wow. kind of an achievement for me. Yeah. Like, I think if she's sitting at like 400, number 400 and something, I think overall, but the, in the last 90 days she had hit number 19. And I was like, I looked at, it, I remember having to kind of double check it. Like, what did she really go that fast? <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, she, you know, it's like any variance horse like that, they kick it on and then all of a sudden you're on a bad roll for a while and. Uh, but that, to me, is the fun of it is, you know, not knowing, you know, sort of. If so gonna... interesting, like, to talk about those, those speed, that speed data and getting sort of tying this back into, like, the shopping for the horse piece. If yeah. I've got a horse that's ranked overall in speed and then ranked at 90 days at speed or not ranked at 90 days, like, what's more important from that speed metric, do you think? Something overall or something in the last 90 days? I like to look at relevant data. Like I will even like if I'm looking at a horse, I want to see how it's run even in the last week. Like I'm so like the more relevant, the better for me, Uh, because especially with the 2.0 update, then we had like, you know, to me, like anything before that now is almost I mean, it's not completely irrelevant. And I do use it when I'm evaluating if there is no other data available. But like I prefer like as much recent uh information as possible so i think like if i do see a, a top seed up you know within the last 90 days that it, to me is a good sign but even better if it's within the last month or within the last few weeks or even in the last week or whatever but um but yeah like it does definitely you have to kind of take it all into consideration overall but yeah yeah it is i think a really good example of that um i have a horse that I bred for variants in the C5 and like a thousand meter horse. And it's from two of my 1000 meter sprinters and it actually worked really well. I think it was its fifth race and it ran like a hundredth fastest in 90 days. It got like ranked really, really quickly in its first 10 races. But when you dive into that race, it came third in that particular race. Yeah. Very interesting how some of these numbers 
Um, and it came third by like 0.4 seconds. Like it, there was, the, you know, the horse that won it smashed us all and it still ran yeah. this incredibly fast time. Um, so it's interesting to to talk about relevance and, and the size of data and all that kind of stuff because he'd only had, you know, four or five races under his belt at that moment. But you mentioned this before about like, you know, enough data to get a read on what that horse is. What, what is enough data? How, like, how many races before it becomes, quote unquote, you know, enough data? I, like, I feel good when it's like a 50 races, I would say. Like, I feel better, but like 100, even better, like obviously. But I feel like most horses don't have that. People run it a few times in a distance and they're like, oh, I came in sixth or seventh or something. And they just never run that distance. I even do that sometimes, you know, once I bang on what distance I like. And then I've gone back. And actually just, especially with like, you know, the, the, like any freeze or anything, I'll just be, you know, there's no tournaments on. I'm just going to run my horses in weird distances. And all of a sudden I realize I've been running my horse at the incorrect distance this entire time. Like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Um, and so I'll go back and start running my horses at odd distances just to get, just to get more data so I can kind of see, because I do that really easily. Like I'll start thinking, Oh, my horse is only only runs in mids or only runs in marathons or whatever, but there's a few that are sort of borderline and they're the ones always that confuse me because it's especially like the 2000 meter and the marathoners, like they kind of seem to be either or, and I don't know. It's just, it can be confusing sometimes um, looking at it, but yeah, the more uh, I would say 50 is a good number for me. And I feel like that yeah. helps with a lot of the tools that are out there. Um, and that, that, definitely provides enough for me to say okay like yeah i want to investigate this horse further or you know no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bother but yep and it's interesting right especially when we talk about the variance horses that can run fast kind of at any distance if they get the right role like this this horse i was just talking about it's called landing bolts um and it's a z7 knack exclusive and I ran it its whole career before 2.0 at 1400 because that was where it just saw the most success. And I don't, I don't know if I tried it in the other funnels that much, um, but I think I did trying to downclass it. It was an impossible horse to downclass, which sucked. Because yeah. <laughs> um, you know, eight races and then it gets a roll, bang, you just, you've, you've just classed back up again. Um, but it's, it beat billions in an open 1200 meter race. Nice. And it's like, well, this is. 2000 you know and it just got a crazy roll it's 94 variants on sedge so it's it's got variants and and it runs everywhere i was just having a look at its its spider web and distribution in in zealand then and it's you know it's in the top five percent overall three on five different distances across all the fun yeah that's amazing so i just i don't know where you it these horses are really hard to discover and to find out where yeah. they run. Yeah, really absolutely. Great. And I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like at some point, if I, I don't know if I read it in a Discord in, uh, in there somewhere, but it was something like the variants, the the U shape or whatever, are good. Like it better just to run them in mids, and that's kind of what I've always done. But they can kind of run at any distance, really. Like they absolutely can. And I know I have the same kind of horse. Like she. Uh, 
is like a 97 variance, I think mine is, but her base ability was so low, obviously she's down in C4, but, um, and, and she doesn't really have a distance preference. Like when I'm looking on Zedge or anything like that, it's kind of sitting around like a 30 something. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Like, is that like, you know, a high sort of mid, because she does run really well at 18, but then recently, even in the last few months, like she does really well at 16 and 16 is where she hit that insane speed. So I'm like, I don't even know, like she can run sprints, she can run marathons. And uh, so, yeah, it really, I think that's why they're so fun. They're very versatile. (laughs) Look, I'll level with you. The reason I was asking for the name of the horse is because this uh, landing bolt is in C4 as well. So just keep uh, an eye out for it. We've, we've probably <laughs> ran against each other, I would imagine, because I usually try yeah. and throw her in. Any of the speed uh, madness things that uh, Dan throws on there, I'll, I usually put her in for C4 anyway, because um, sometimes she just absolutely, you know, gets crushed. But then other times, uh, like the last one I got, a, I got into the speed madness that's running, I think, soon. Um, and so she got, I think it was, she had the top speed for all the horses until like the last minute and then somebody beat her, but she was second anyway, but, uh, she hit like a 91 or she just had an amazing run. And I was so happy. I was like, Oh, finally, I'm like, Danny just made my whole day. Like it was just one of those days where, you know, you're just fed up with everything to do with that. And you're like, Oh, I just hate this. And then all of a sudden, you know, she hit this insane speed and I was like, wow, this is fun again. (laughs) It's it's interesting. Like the, what is the longest run of bad rolls you've had on one of your variant horses? Because it it seems like it, you know, it it comes in, comes in waves, right? Like you just get shocking roll after shocking roll. Like, have you had a yeah. really bad streak on some of your variant horses? I have horses? actually. Yeah, just recently, kind of too. It was, um, you know, I was my brain was going off on all these conspiracy theories like oh she got nerfed but no it was another horse it was actually one of her daughters I had it was a I bred that horse Ella with Ray Del Mundo um and because of his variants right so I grabbed a cover off him before the change and um I got x-ray and x-ray is an amazing sprinter but she's got a really good kick of variance I think she's around an 88 like so not in the 90s but just like enough to still be really high variance and but she's a sprinter and, uh, and then all of a sudden it was that after that first tournament that we had, that was the week long one, all of a sudden she just, I think she went 20 races without a win. And I was like, this is, this is unheard of for me. Like usually it, it can go, you know, 10 max. Like she wouldn't, she's normally winning a race like every five. Like it was just weird to me that all of a sudden out of nowhere, she just hadn't, didn't have a win for like 20 races. So um, you know, I'm messaging everybody being like, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is happening? Why is Lyra doing this? Is this what an S-curve is? I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Well, not really, but just like sort of actually reaching out. Like I was asking BG, like what, like, did she get nerfed? Like what happened? Um, and just sort of like, um, why is this, you know, but then I was talking to, I noticed that I was seeing other posts of people saying the same thing. Like what is going on? My, my horse that's winning normally, it's all of a sudden not, but I think it's just the competition is getting harder and people are, you know, uh, realizing their, the horses that they don't want to race that aren't competitive, you know, they don't want to level up. They don't want to put the time in to those horses or, you know, the ones that were easier competition and and now the the competition is getting tougher and I really think that's all it really was and obviously if I just keep running her and getting some more 
uh, XP and, and she'll, and she has been, she's been fine again. Like she's started winning again, but I still haven't really even ran her that much lately just because I've been busy running all these maiden horses and, and, uh, whatever other tournament is on. I'm like, I can only focus on one thing at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 How did you go in the maiden? Did you? Huh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Shout out Rockabella Racing looking for jockeys if anyone's <laughs> yeah. interested. Yeah. Um, how did you go in the maiden? Did you breed a bunch of horses? Uh, well, I read three. Or? Yeah, I read three and I'm super happy with how they turned out actually. Um, I had, I have one in C3 that he qualified like so easy. He is only not flamed in one race. I am like obsessed with him now, like absolutely obsessed um, he's really, really good. Again, I think he's, he's a mid runner. Like I, I tried him in that funnel. That's where both the parents were, uh, looked comfortable. So, um, I've only kept him in there cause I qualified him within 20 races. And I think he was number 12 when he was, when I first qualified him, but then he's down in like, you know, the twenties now or something like that. So I'm going to leave him. I'm just going to leave him be because he's good. But, um, the other two in C4, um, are they're struggling to qualify to qual- to stay qualified a little bit, but um, I'll just keep you know I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're both mid runners. I think that's my my issue right now is sort of like ooh do I have them at the the right distance? Um, I think I'm just not exactly sure. It's not as easy to tell with them. So, um, but I am happy with so far what how they've turned out. Um, absolutely, they will win. They will be profitable horses. Like I can. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. And then I had three, I had a couple, I think from giveaways and then one that was given to me, um, just an unraced C2 horse that I'm not, again, I'm not sure it's in the right funnel. I've tried a few other distances just for fun and still not, no flames, nothing really crazy. So I haven't really put too much energy into it just because, you know, I've got, I'm trying to focus on these other ones to, to keep them qualified. So it's a, it's all very time consuming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. but six was a lot. One in C six actually is that I have is very promising. He was a giveaway horse, and I love him. And he is again. I'm not 100 percent sure he's in the right distance. I have only tested him in mids, but he's flaming. He's winning pretty frequently. And again, like I'm pretty happy that his starting level was only like 75, and he's doing great already. So, um, but I love I love C six, and I really do hope that they can, you know consider that a lot of people really enjoy it down there and maybe hopefully we'll offer some other sort of perks for I don't expect like there to be any sort of like boost in prize pools or anything like that and and you know but like they can be creative and you know sort of incentivize uh c6 I I think and um because that's where there are other ways to to incentivize right like whether they're custom skins or um you know specific tournaments those kind of things and i think all of that um is certainly in the future but i i think like the the prize pools are you know quite commensurate with the level of investment you need to get in um and for a you know for an onboarding push that they should be talking about c6 come and start in c6 come and come and race for 50 cents a race don't don't try and get into Zed and spend three ETH and then jump into hundred dollar pots. Like, I mean, if you if you've got that to burn, sure, um, but that's probably what it's going to be. It's probably going to be a burn with your first horse. Um, getting back to you know your story about how you got in, man, I 
I, I wish I had have done as much research as you. I just jumped right in and just burnt a whole bunch of weff and, and bought some really shit horses and learnt, learnt yeah. the, the absolute hard way, um, which leads, you know, my, my advice to anyone on boarding um, in Z is have patience and don't be emotional. Like that, yes, they, they are the, the two skills to this game. Um, yeah. don't, don't just buy a horse because you're excited. You want to, you know, when you have that moment of excitement, maybe that's the time to have a big deep breath, <laughs> go and think about it, Absolutely. go for a run or something. Yeah, because it is, it's tempting just to grab a horse and be like, oh, let's go. But I mean, they didn't have things like lending and whatnot when we started. So, um, I mean, yeah. like that's that's a huge advantage for uh, people, new people coming in. And um, I really do hope that they sort of like make it a bit more welcoming down there uh, for new players. And I mean, like I said, I don't expect there to be like huge prize pools or anything like that, but we're, I mean, we're, we're buying in for 50 cents. Like I'm not expecting to win, you know, a ton of money, but you know, for weeks worth of grinding and whatnot, winning $9 is like, Oh, you know, like, come on, like, like celebrate me or something like anything. (laughs) Like it's fun (laughs) down there though. And I mean, there's not like, the, you see some of you do have grinders and I'm sure people botting and whatnot down there because it is you know but it, I mean, it's not even really that worth it I wouldn't think for people botting but um, there are a lot of grinders down there for sure and um, and but it's fine like I mean that's the thing it's not like you can easily have a get a good horse for you know a cheap amount like you can buy a cheap horse that is good in C6 and it's fun because you can win and you can compete and you know like I don't know, to me, it doesn't matter if I'm running in, you know, a dollar race or a hundred dollar race. And, you know, it's fun for me either way. I'll never not love watching them run. That's for sure. So, and yeah, do you, do you watch races? Oh yeah. Do you jump into the 3d and watch races? Yeah. I love, I love watching them. Like, um, I don't know. It's probably one of my favorite things about it, but, uh, I mean, I don't always have the time to watch every single one, especially, like you know with the tournament going on um but i will i make sure i always watch their first one their griffin um and if i don't catch it right away i'll definitely go back and watch it and then but yeah i'll i make my parents watch it if i'm there with them i'm like hey watch this watch (laughs) and they're just like oh that's neat (laughs) and they're looking at fellow with slightly concerned looks on their face yeah no they know by now it's it's literally all I talk about when I go there and they're like, okay, can we not talk about this at a family, uh, you know, holidays and stuff. And I'm like telling everyone, I'm like, okay, wait, I brought my laptop because I want to show you guys all this. So. Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, Excellent. Uh, no, they're good. They're great. They're very like, they're always asking questions and interested, but I don't think that they would want yeah, to buy nice. a horse now. <laughs> and that, you, do you remember? And I guess that function's still there. I haven't even checked to look at it um for a while actually but did you ever cheer on your horse did you ever turn on the the voice chat feature they put in i don't know if i did actually i don't know that was the thing wasn't it i always i some i sometimes would turn on like the jockey mode where you could like ride your horse i think that's still there too isn't it i don't know though the jockey mode still. i thought that was weird i'm like i feel like i'm too heavy and i'm gonna make my horse slow down or something like (laughs) (laughs) i'm like is this making my horse slow by me sitting on it like this is, there's something here. Like, I don't know if I'm going to mess with this because I feel like now it's going to go slower if I'm riding it. <laughs> Nobody else is riding them. I, I figure I just, I just nerfed my horses by the very fact yeah. of buying them or breeding them. 
That, that seems yeah. to be the trick. I don't need to ride right. it, which is okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I love horseback <laughs> riding. Like, I've always ridden horses, so um, I do love it. But, yeah, it is a kind of a funny thing to do, but it, it was kind of weird. I was like, huh. But I did. I got nervous. I was like, I'm going to – this is slowing it down somehow. <laughs> so then I'll jump on to the Whatever. next person beside yeah. me. <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah, yeah. whatever there. conspiracy theory works. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Good. That's fun. So with with the maiden um and your obvious um you know, your obvious desire and passion for for breeding these horses, let's talk a little bit about some of the strategies you put into breeding. Um and for those who who are listening to this, um and you've heard both Bella and myself talk about like you know, numbers around distance preference and variance of 94 and stuff, just for the record, we we are referring to what we see in a tool called the Zedge, um, which is such a fantastic tool. It's a really good price point for the data that you get. Um, I think it's, it's one of the invaluable tools. Um, we'd probably all aspire to, to have the blood tool, but, you know, that is certainly a premium product. Um, and I think the Zedge gives us a really good, view on data so when we talk about you know 94 variants or 33 distance preference and stuff those numbers are coming from the zedge um just for record um but when we do when you do go through a breed um bella can you talk us through like how do you start that process um how how strategic do you get on a funnel like a format um walk us through you know how do you start that i i'm going to breed a horse is it or do you do it more like I do? I'm just going, breeding time. <laughs> yeah, kind it. of. In a way, like I do kind of make sure, obviously, the the parents line up as far as um, their distance preference. Um, and then I think, I don't know, I guess it kind of changed um, with the breeding update. I mean, uh, in the first version, you could just put any two horses together um, and, you know, get that lottery aspect. And that was fun. Like, I mean, that was very, like, you know, that was really the only way a small stable was really going to be able to compete at that point uh, because you couldn't buy uh, a paid racer, like a proven paid racer, f- like for cheap. Like you you had to spend a lot of money for that. Um, so breeding, you know, breeding covers are, you know, relatively cheap at the time um, compared to anyway, sending several thousand dollars on a, on a racer. So um, yeah, you would just sort of, and, and that aspect was cool. But um, that was, I had a whole other sort of process for that, but I think in this sort of situation, I just use tool, like I start with the tools and I'll see what I have in my stable and then, uh, jump on ZSIM and do the, uh, simulation there and just see what comes up in the stud barn. And then, you know, if I look at something and I say, Oh, I like this, this match looks cool or whatever. And I kind of will select like, Oh, do I want to like, now it was like, well, maybe I'm only going to breed with the Genesis because I want a chance at a super breed. So I'm going to try and increase my chance as much as possible. So I'm only going to look at Genesis horses um, to see like what, you know, what's out there, what's available. And if nothing really catches my eye there, then obviously I'll like sort of look down like from there and keep going down. Um, but yeah, just really sort of looking at, um, yeah, distance preference, obviously is like, I really like distance preference, like horses that are strong there, um, for double ups and that sort of thing. So, um, it really just depends on what I want in the end. Like my breeding goal is, do I want to try and shoot for like a double up 
horse. But I find those a bit more difficult to, to breed because um, you just don't like most of my horses are high variants. So I usually kind of just stick with that because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to stack it. <laughs> I'm just going to stack the variants and, and see what happens. And if they have variants, it doesn't really matter what their distance preference is. So, um, cause they're just going to run, you know, so I, to me, I'm a little bit limited, like unless I actually get a, a distance, uh, specialist there where they're, you know, really, really high into marathons or whatever. Um, because I do have one like that in C6, but he's, a um, not, I don't like, don't have a female like that. So, um, I can't, I don't have the babies from that, but, uh, yeah, I would just say, I just sort of look at typically like do their distances line up and how are the variants, like looking for a high variant stud cover is always sort of up at the top of the list just because that goes well with my horses. But, um, yeah, like I don't, and then also, and then again, I just sort of dive into the data. Like I'll just pull it up on, uh, on all the tools, as many tools as I have, or, you know, have available to me is, you know, and then just sort of go through it all there and, you know, looking at different formats, racing formats and win rates, and you sort of narrow it down um, that way. Like it can be um, tedious, especially, you know, but I, I mean, like, and then I'll, I work with other stables sometimes too, and they'll um, send me a horse and I'll use it, use the female for breeding type of thing. Like that was how my amazing C3 horse came about, but um, but yeah, and then again, I had her in my stable, so I just threw her into um, the breeding simulator and pulled up, and I saw songs in there, and I was just like, "Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna grab that one." Um, and then it turned out that he's actually uh, amazing horse so far, so I'm pretty pretty happy with how that turned out. But yeah, I tend to typically breed in in with the high variants just because that's what I know, that's what I've always sort of done the entire time I've played. Um, and I don't, I just find as long as the other horse has like a high enough variance, maybe over 80, over 90, the better, but, um, that's sort of where I typically fall, but I am open to learning like other ways of doing it and that sort of thing too. But, um, I, I really had to like learn, relearn a lot of things, um, recently, especially with the update. And I've really sort of like spent a lot of more, a lot more time just, you know, reading, um, documents and, the things about these tools too, because a lot of times I'm using these tools and I'm not even really understanding what a lot of it means. And I think a lot of us do that. And we just sort of like see numbers and see, you know, charts and graphs and not really understanding, okay, what does this actually mean? <laughs> um, so I did spend like a lot of time uh, right after the new update to sort of really dive into that and and learn like, okay, what am I looking at? What do these numbers mean? Like, you know, and I, I think I've sort of, um, grown a lot in that sense um, in the last even you know month or two just sort of really hammering down on all that information and going okay I have this data but what what does it mean what how do I interpret this in a you know uh, a way that's going to benefit my stable um, so yeah it just I do I definitely do rely on tools a lot um, and I think a lot of people do and it is really tough to play without them I think because I have tried but I don't go very long in between like renewing subscriptions for things if I do decide I'm like that's it I'm not paying for this anymore I'm not winning any races I can't like I'm not like if, if I'm not making enough off of my horses to cover the cost of it then I'm not doing it um and then like a minute later I'm like oh screw it and then hitting you know, subscribe. <laughs> I've done I've done that with the Z edge a couple of times. I'm like, that's it. Yes, I don't yeah. need any more of this. I know I know what I'm looking for. And then yeah, 
Shady, I always come back. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I every always time. come back. So that's quite fascinating. You're talking about like reading some of the documentation around these tools. Like yeah. what's from that experience, what's your biggest takeaway or your biggest moment of enlightenment from where you well, were perhaps them, understanding yeah. what you're looking at? Yeah, like a lot of them, the, like um, say like uh, ZSIM, it has these documents and I had, when I first started using it, like I kind of gl- glanced through them, but it, it very quickly becomes overwhelming and you're like, I don't, like I'm not, to me, I'm not a data analyst. I don't know how, like what this means. And it just seems like a foreign language sometimes when I'm reading through it. And, and, uh, but I mean, I really just sort of went back again and just sat down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just go through this, like line by line. And then even with Zedge as well, like I just went through their, um, all their information on the site that's, you know, there. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to read through all this, like actually pay attention to what I'm reading. It's just difficult for me sometimes. And then just like, started applying it to like what I was doing or what I was looking at or using my own horses as examples of, and then it just sort of started to make more sense, I guess. Like, um, I don't know. Like I, I guess it's kind of hard. I think I've been doing it long enough now that I sort of understand like what a lot of the terms are and what some of the things mean. But, um, but yeah, even just like um, talking to people who I know that, uh, work in data and I have a, a friend of mine is this, uh, getting their uh, master's degree in data science and so I'll run it by him sometimes and be like hey like what does this mean and you know he'll we'll kind of go back and forth with it and whatnot and actually he's gonna use um, Zed Run for his like project uh, for his school I guess for his uh, one of his assignments he was oh, like, fascinating. like where did you get a, where did you get all this data and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, well, you're not the only data guy I know. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but um, but yeah, just sort so of Bella, uh, reaching out, asking people. Yeah, so maybe you could help me with some understanding because I've got a question around um, the Zedge and distance preference. Yeah. So it goes from minus 100 to 100. Um I think we all know at minus 100 and 100, you're either going to run at 1,000 or 26, right? Like that that seems pretty – but you kind of touched on this before as well. Like if I've got a minus 8 or a minus 12 horse, where do, yep. I, where do I run that horse? Is that a 1,400-meter horse? Like do you think it's linear like that? If I've got a minus yeah, 14, like minus I mean- 20, I should – it depends because that's what I do. So I'll look at that and I'll say, okay, yeah. In my head, like when I'm looking at Zedge and I see that number specifically say, I'll go, yeah, 1400 meters. Like that's what pops into my head. Like I can tell just by read, that's what that means on that site. But what I'll do is I'll cross check that with another tool and I'll see, okay, but what is it showing on Zedsim? What is it showing on Zleap? And, and kind of going from there and seeing like, is it, is it all, um, aligning in all of the tools or is it showing different things on different tools and if it's showing like inconsistencies then I know that maybe that's not necessarily like one of these tools might be a little off or they're just interpreting the data differently 
Um, so that might mean that I'm not at the right distance here for, for that. So I will definitely go back and just test, test, test. Cause testing to me is like the biggest thing. Just run more, run more, all freeze, whatever. Cause obviously you don't want to like burn through a bunch of ETH or whatever, but, um, you know, and just, and just collecting that data and then, and then going back and like, cause it does change. I mean, like I've gone on there and thought I've had a sprinter and then the next thing, you know, it's like, no, this is a mid or thought I've had a, a marathoner and a nope, that's a mid. Um, and a lot of my horses did that to me. And I was like, oh, like getting so frustrated because I've been running in marathons this whole time and going, you know, you run, I'd be testing and going, oh, wait, she's flaming in 2000. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, you know, the tools are showing like, oh, yeah, this is her preferred distance. And I'm going, oh, OK. I mean, which I'm not mad at because the more, um, you know, data that I have and more specific I can be, the more profitable I can be in the long run. So. Um, I think it's just in that case, if you're, if you're unsure and you're cross-checking with other tools, or even if you don't have other tools and you want to, um, like get more, you just need more data really. And then see like, you know, have you ran at least 25 races in every distance and then, and then go back and, and look at it again and see, um, if that changed anything. Um, because I, I wouldn't, I mean, if you're not winning at 1400 and you're not, profitable at 1400 then that might be a good you know plan just to sort of do more testing go back and check and see where you're at after that after that point because then that way you've collected more data and either it's changed or not changed and then you might know like oh maybe this horse just needs more leveling and needs more uh to get more speed just to be able to compete in paids it's the right distance but it's just not winning type of thing um just because the competition is too strong and then that way um, you have just more information to be able to, to sort of evaluate the performance, um, and decide what your next move is going to be. Cause I think that's really like half the battle is just having that information to be able to make decisions on like, where can I run in paids that's going to be profitable. Um, and I think that that's, you know, to me, that's the fun part. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, give me a mystery horse. I want to know, I'm going to find this horse out. I'm going to find it. Um, cause I love that part. Because when I find it, it's very satisfying. <laughs> yes, it like is. It. Yes, it is. And <laughs> it's quite exciting, um, particularly with something you've just bred. And I've had this experience a few times, probably enough that I've got my own little conspiracy theory. But horses have a honeymoon period when you breed them. Yeah. They seem to. Um, they. I've had one that back in the old racing days that I – kind of bred it for a C3 level and it just ran and it won 25% of its first 20 races, all paid, just boom straight up into C2 and then it just got crushed and I'm like, okay, it's down class this and it just got crushed and crushed and crushed and it's never won again. (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah, I've heard that one before, actually, too. The the whole like after thirty races or something like that, your horse gets nerfed. Um, I have heard that actually, um, but I don't. I don't know. Like, I mean, again, I think it is a lot to do with, and I think this is actually a topic that is not very highly talked about. Is like the psychology of racing, and and Vad's talked about this on his uh, Patreon one time, and he was saying about how there's this psychology to racing, and it's you know, like people are choosing and the, the very skilled people at this game are, are, they know exactly what formats to run, what type of horses to run. And so like on certain days when you're going, why isn't my variance horse uh, winning? 
today or whatever, it's because there's all these like double up horses in the race or vice versa, you know, and, and it's creating, and you know, you're, you're continuing on to race in the, in the races that your horses normally does well. And all of a sudden they're just not, um, it's because of the psychology of the racing, like what, what tournament is on, what formats are people trying to qualify in, um, that is affecting your horse. And then in that case, that's when I, I take a, I pull that horse out and I go, okay, I'm not going to run this one. I'm going to try my other horse that, um, or I'll do, I'll do the opposite of what everyone's doing. I'm like, I'll, I'll take my horse that is normally good in double ups and I'm going to throw him in, uh, a six gate, uh, like distant, like normally like my C6 horse is a, is a double up pro. Like he loves double ups in 2,400 meters. But if it's a day where I don't know, like all of a sudden all the variance horses are coming in because they need to qualify or something like that, he'll get pushed down into like seventh, eighth position more frequently. And I just don't like it. So I'll put him in six gate, 2,600 meters, bang, win, 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 win. not even just second place winning. Like, so I also have this whole like <laughs> conspiracy theory that double up horses are actually good in six gate as well. Maybe not in the exact distance that they're running. I don't know why. I don't even know if that makes sense. It, I'm probably not even correct in it, but I've noticed it with more than one of my horses, my double up horses. So um, that's something else I've been yeah. trying to dig into a little bit as well. So, um, and, and he's went in paves as well. He actually even qualified for a tournament when I did that with him um, one other time. And I was just running him just because I was running him in paves. Like I'm just trying to grind him. Right. And he uh, ended up qualifying for a tournament. And, um, and so, yeah, it was kind of funny, but yeah, I just sort of will, I w- like, I wish there was some kind of way to tell like what everyone is going to be doing that day, like depending on the format, because it's, it will, it really affects how I, like what horses I'm going to run, where I'm going to try and qualify, like where am I going to put my attention um, on that day because of how, like, what is everyone typically going to do? And then I'm going to look at how that's going to affect me and my horses. So I think that's also another thing that, um, is not really talked a lot about is that sort of like uh, collective of everybody just like trying to qualify whatever like some people just grind and they just throw in whatever they just want to qualify they don't care um, and and that's fine but um, yeah you really have to sometimes think about how are people choosing like what horses are they choosing and where are they running them and that's why I find I get really overwhelmed when we have the concurrent tournaments because I'm I just get I'm like I have too many horses to figure out where they're going to run and where they're doing well. Cause sometimes it takes a few races before I realize like, Oh wait, we've got this horses or this, you know, format is um, encouraging, you know, variance horses to run in this, in these double up races. So now my double up horse is, you know, sort of getting pushed down. He's not, he's not profitable in the next week because of this occurring. So where can I put him that he's profitable? Um, and that's when I started sort of testing other formats and just what can I do is that is the opposite of what everyone else is doing, which is definitely not necessarily, you know, smart because it could definitely go wrong if you don't, you know, or it is a risk anyway, but it tend, it did pay off for me in a bit in a way. And I sort of um, have my little theory of that possibly being a thing, but, um, but yeah, I, I think I've noticed it with at least three of my double up horses. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, there's, there's two things there out of that Bella. And first of all, that is really good insight. Um, racing psychology, just that term. Um, not your own, but certainly your yeah. own because we all go on tilt from time to time. Um, <laughs> but, um, but others, consider the, the racing psychology of the actual day, which is a, it's a really, really good insight. Um, 
So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, the other thing is I've got a 1,400 metre double up that I'm, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm going to go and run in some 1,800 <laughs> top sixes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just try it out, right? Yeah, absolutely. You never know. Because, like, I mean, I just – anything, like – and that's what I mean about really digging into your horses and finding out, like, like just going completely off the wall. If, if you're – I mean, obviously – to me, there's so much to do in Zed, like, especially when you're trying to win money and you're trying to make a profit. But then when you really get into that whole, like, oh, money is the only thing that matters and I have to be profitable and I have to win money. Otherwise, my investment is just like worthless and blah, blah, blah. But it takes away some of the fun sometimes, like when you're just like only focused on that. And so sometimes I'll just be like, when I feel myself getting overwhelmed and being like, oh, like I'm just frustrated, I can't win anything. And I'll take time and and be like, you know, what? I'm just going to run some fun races and run off distance and get more data to see maybe I'm missing something. I always feel like I'm just missing something. There's more, there's something I could be missing. And that's why, again, why I kept all my horses as well. And, um, and, and it, I have made discoveries. I have made, you know, sort of interesting yep. theories and things like that. So um, it is, it is and that's to me again, that's the fun part of it is the discovery and finding the hidden gems. And um, it can be, it can be frustrating when it doesn't go your way and you thought, Oh, I'm this horse was, I thought maybe, you know, he's got a shot here, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't really perform the way that you would hoped. Um, but again, then it's like, there's so many other distances to try. <laughs> so I'll keep going. <laughs> That's very good. Um, as I say, it's, it's very insightful to start to think about the psychology of others. Um, yeah. it probably explains a lot of all those times where, you know, you've, you've got horses that are consistent and then for whatever reason they're not consistent, um, to take that moment and not go on tilt and just keep bashing them into races but actually stop and yeah. that's a signal from the platform to sit back and go, okay, well, let me look at what's going on here, what what yes. tournaments are running, et cetera, et cetera, um, to have yeah. a look at those. You know, a really good example of that was over the Christmas break, I think, when no tournaments were running um, and paid racing was brutal because you know everyone's just running all their best horses trying to um to scrape money out of the paid so the fields were were savage which is really interesting because i i had a horse that did really well in that environment and then once the tournament started again it didn't do very well i (laughs) I actually really supposed to be doing better now I have the same feeling like I, my horses do great when it's tough fields like that, or well, not necessarily that it's tough fields. I don't know if I necessarily believe that the fields are tough when everyone's trying to race. I th- I don't know. Like, I mean, people theorize that and say like, Oh, the fields are tougher because there's no tournament, but are they really like, I don't know because I personally had never have a problem in paids um, with, and, and I notice it tougher when there are uh, tournaments on. So I find the fields can be tougher. Um, I mean, there is more volume, obviously, but um, that's just making things move faster in, in my experience. But um, I don't know. I, I don't mind at all when there's no tournament. I mean, again, but I'm also like, I do evaluate the fields. And I think a lot of people just want horses that they can just throw in anything and they know that they've got a good shot at winning or not. And that's totally like a, a valid way to play. Um, however, I just, because I'm so like traumatized from all the downclassing that I had to like really like be very careful about how I ran my horse or who, like where, what the fields were like. Um, I still just have that habit and I still really check them and I wait until like the lot, like, you know, eight or nine horses are in before I'll even like sort of be like, okay, I'm, I'm good to go now. Like, I feel like I'm good now. 
Um, so I'm and definitely not one of the you, people. That how do you do something. that, Bella? Do you is that are you using ZSIM for that, or like how do you evaluate use, the yes. field? Yeah, I use that, and I'll I'll generate whatever races are open type of thing, and I'll just go through and see who may be profitable in there, and then I cross check it with the Stacknax. So I'll just okay. uh, I'll I'll click on like the deep link for um, there, and then I'll open it up on Z, and then my Stacknax will pop up, and then that will kind of uh, you know confirm or you know question I'll question it or I'll confirm it and say yes, this looks like a good race. Um, uh, or not, but I mean, like if I had to choose between the two, I would definitely pick uh, Stacknax just because um, I find it. Uh, I don't know. I just love it. I think it's so good. And um, you know, like if you're not, if you don't have profitable horses, it's a huge expense uh, for both of them to, to have all the tools. You know what I mean? It can cost you, you know, hundreds a month if you're uh, if you have them all. So. Um, it definitely, if you have to pick and choose, I think Stacknax is definitely the way to go for, um, you know, like a, an average casual or new player. Yeah, um, you, you, you're right. You can Stacknax Pro and Z Lead um, yes. can give you everything you need. Plus, um, he's as got player, great just, tournaments. Yeah. And yes, the tournament thing, like the the future of tournaments in Z, um, you know, there's. You know, obviously everything Dan does, um, Lucky Jack, this new Aura platform that just popped out where people can make custom tournaments for themselves. The sit and go is coming. The future seems bright. The future seems yeah. very bright, which is good. Yes, yeah. I'm excited. And for, sure. for, for those like you and I, long overdue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I could not even tell you how many messages I sent Facundo thanking him for like how amazing 2.0 is and how long I've been waiting to race my horses. And just like, I literally was just like so happy um, that I had a place for my horses. I had, I don't even know, I might have had close to 30 at the time of the, uh, you know, the update. And it was just like, it was such a good feeling to actually be able to compete like in a class with other horses in the same, you know, same, re relatively the same levels, obviously the levels in the classes are, um, you know, sort of, you have your hierarchy in there as well, but, um, but it's still, uh, it was such a good feeling. Like I couldn't, I, yeah, I was always messaging him like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Just, Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, so yeah, I definitely, and I know they take a lot of heat. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If nothing else, yeah. I think that the change to the game now means that everyone's racing to win all of the time, and that's yeah. that's really, really good. You, you don't, you know, if your horse is winning, you're not like, oh, have I just stumbled into a bunch of people downing horses? Like, you actually get, yes. and I think, like, getting back to that more data question, um, you know, in six or 12 months' time, especially when you can start to be like, this is 3.0 data, on all these horses, you will actually the, the stats on horses will be much more um, representative of their actual skill and class because yeah. people aren't racing to lose anymore. So, um, I think that alone is a fantastic change. So, yes, and that's you why know, I love that. And if um, Facundo could unnerf all my horses, that'd be nice too. But <laughs> it's baby steps. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, it it can definitely feel like that for sure sometimes and. And I, got, I was going to say, too, that the, uh, the other thing I love about Stacknax is uh, Dan put on the training mode 
um, so, which is really cool. And you can see where to, it shows you like where to run your horses to, that you need more data on to give like a good, uh, I think it's a better, I'm not too sure exactly if it's a better score for like the double up uh, tool that's on there, or if it's just overall, like it will give you a better um, idea of your distance preference and that sort of thing. Um, but it'll tell you like race, you know, six more times at 1400 meters. So you turn this on and it's like, whoa, like, uh, like I am missing data here. And it just kind of shows you where it's missing. And you're like, wait, like it just makes your life so much easier. Where, where do so, I turn that on? In, in the that desktop? Is, Yes, that's on the desktop one. So you just, uh, and if it does, if it shows no horses, that's, I guess that's a good thing. But that's what I saw on the Discord. It's a good thing that, you know, you means you've got it, um, I guess, relatively enough data. Uh, but yeah, you just um, flick that on and it'll show you if you're, if you need any, uh, or it shows you what distance to run and how many to kind of do. And, you know, I've been using that just to again and to me that's like that like makes it so fun because i'm like ooh, i have like eight more to do here and then because you know even with like a boring horse that like i'm so sick of looking at and i'm like wait i need to run 10 more races here oh challenge accepted and i go and do it like as fast as possible like wait and then i'll go back and check all the data and be like whoa like this is new information amazing yes yeah oh, oh <laughs> damn still glue <laughs> Yeah. Ran, yeah ran, always, exactly. ran always still glue, but now I yeah. know. Now I know it's glue. Yes. Um, yeah. Bella, look, we're at time. I just thank you yes. so much. This was such a fun conversation. Um, I really Good enjoyed time. having this chat with you. And more importantly, I learned a lot. This was really, oh, really, good. really I'm fun. Glad. So I was, thank I was you so for much a for, the, for the knowledge. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me on. I, you're welcome back anytime. Um, hopefully, we can do episode 150 together. That would be, be would awesome. mean Z is good. It would mean the podcast still running, um, and we'd all be happy chappies. I think, which is fantastic. For sure. So, um, awesome. so look, until then, um, I'm going to keep an eye out for you in 1600 meters of <laughs> in C4 <laughs> for one. But yeah. um, until then, we'll see you on the track. All right, sounds good. Yeah.